Hi, I'm Pastor Peter Dosick, and I know that you know that. But I want to encourage you that you understand the values of your church. What is important, the first and foremost important thing about a believer's life is that they have faith. They believe in God, 
They believe in his ways, his counsel, his statutes, and his judgment. So, as a believer, as a member of Only Believe Ministries Christian Center, come together. Let's grow in faith so we can please God and glorify him. We believe in building strong friendships, caring for one another, and watching out for our brothers and our sisters in our church family. We also believe in nurturing relationships in our workplace, in our neighborhood, so that we can win people to Jesus. The love we experience in our upward connection with Christ is the love we strive to share every single day because we value relationships. It is no secret around here that one of our top values is being a rescuer for Christ. You may be saying, Nicole, I don't know how to rescue somebody. What if they're broke? What if they need mended? That's okay. If they do, you're in the right place at the right time. Remember, it's not our job to fix anyone. That's God's job. But it is our job to share the love of Jesus Christ, like someone shared with you. Share his love. Share your testimony. It'll work. All right. Hi, everybody. Everybody doing good tonight? All right. Well, we're excited to be here, and we're glad you are here with us. And by the way, live streamers, welcome. We're glad you are viewing online with us tonight. And by the way, if you're watching this on Facebook, go ahead and hit share. We'd love for your entire friends list to see what's happening here at Only Believe tonight. We're excited for the guest speaker. We got worship in a minute, but you're, if you're a guest with us, go ahead and look in the pew in front of you. There's some red cards that say get connected. Grab that thing, fill it out, drop it in the offering bucket later, or take it back to the Welcome Center after church, and they will help you out, but we're excited you're with us also. Uh, don't forget, I think it's this coming Saturday, right? We have our Next Steps membership. Is that right? This coming Saturday. So if you're interested in being a member here at Only Believe, go ahead to the Welcome Center, sign up for that, and then they will contact you about all the details of everything that's happening this coming Saturday morning. And uh, along with that, we're just uh, ready to get in some worship tonight. But I wanted to tell you something real quick. Um, how many know that we got some different campuses that come out of Only Believe? How many know that we got our, our Kenton Church? They just opened a building, and they're doing phenomenal. Is Rick here. We got uh, Pastor Rick in the Dayton campus, and they're doing incredible things. But I want to tell you that because we at Urbana, I, I wanted to tell you, the Urbana worship leader is actually on this. That's Samara, and she's playing a part of the worship team tonight. So we're, we're kind of... We're kind of collabing a little bit tonight, so we're excited about that. But how many are ready to worship Jesus tonight? Let me see. Well, get up on your feet, and let's do that together. You call my name and I ran 
disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. But since when has impossible ever stopped you? This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the place they could take me to walk again. Hope in the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling.
We're seeing God fight our battles, amen? The Bible says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I've been talking to lots of people the last couple of days and we're sharing lots of testimonies of what God has been doing for you. We're so excited about the miracles and the healings and all the many things God's touched you. Fear being broken off your life. And tonight's not going to be any different. I want to ask everybody, is, is anybody here for the very first time that wasn't here maybe um, uh, Monday or Sunday night? Are you here for the first time? If you are, just wave your hand. Thank you so much for coming. We're glad you're here. Uh, trust you're going to be blessed. I know God's got a miracle for you as well. Well, I got a chance last night to share about, uh, I've known Ted since he was 10 years of age. And that makes me starting to feel old. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm feeling that, you know. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm old, but I, I feel older when I say that. But I've watched him, I've seen his, uh, his grandfather, his uncles, his cousins. I think everybody in that family, I think, are Holy Ghost preachers. And they are doing amazing things for the kingdom. His grandfather uh, preached in some of the biggest tent revivals around the nation, preached with some of the biggest speakers, um, just miracle signs and wonders. Obviously, his dad has been here on many occasions. I know his uncles very, very well. They've all got significant ministries. And it's such an honor to be able to introduce uh, Ted Jr. Let's give him a warm welcome tonight. Tonight's going to be your night for a miracle. Amen?
Praise the Lord. Are you happy tonight? Well, give Jesus a hand to praise if you love him. Do you love him? Somebody lift your hands all over this house. Father, we thank you once again for your anointing, your power that's in this place. We thank you, Lord, that you have great plans for America. We thank you, Lord, that this nation will be greatly blessed. We thank you that the seeds we've sown of revival around the world as we've sent missionaries and we've sent preachers and we've sent teachers around the world for 200 years, we thank you that that harvest is now coming back to this nation. And the revival and the move of God that we've sown into other nations will now be seen in this nation by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we thank you that the end of this year, going into next year and the upcoming years, will be years of open doors of revival in America. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit is sweeping through this nation, touching people, changing people, healing people, delivering people, and we will see a mighty move of the Holy Ghost before Jesus comes back. We thank you for it. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. If you believe it, clap those hands and give Jesus glory and praise. Amen. Woo. You can be seated tonight. Man, I'm excited to see you. I'm happy you're here. And uh, I'm telling you, I've got an expectancy in my heart for this service tonight. And I can tell these are the hungry ones here, the people that we have in the house tonight. And, I, and God always rewards hunger, expectation. Amen. As we've heard many times before, it's the breeding ground for miracles. Can you say amen? And uh, God's moving not only in America but around the world. Some of the greatest moves of the Spirit that have ever happened are happening now. Did you know that right now, the largest gatherings of any kind in the history of the world are happening in Pentecostal Christianity. Did you know that? Let me explain it to you if you didn't know. There's a, of course, the largest church building in the world. I was discussing this today. Largest church building in the world is in Ota, Nigeria. The building seats 55,000 people. And they have two tents set up outside that seat 40,000 more people. That's 95,000 a service. They have six Sunday morning services. I heard the pastor say, he said, people leave their homes at 2 a.m. to get to the first service, which starts at 6. Now they're building a new building that will seat 100,000 in the sanctuary and 10,000 in the children's church. Hallelujah. Full, huge. If you looked at the drawings, looks like a huge lake outside the church to baptize people in water. People are being saved by the thousands every single week. And uh, it's exciting. Now, there's another ministry there in Lagos that has, and Brother Eric, you may have been to this building, but the Redeemed Christian Church of God that's currently led by Pastor Enoch Adeboye in Lagos, Nigeria, they've got a building where they hold their camp meeting every year and once a month a Holy Ghost service. That building, and I want you to imagine this, that building is 1.8 miles long by 1.8 miles wide under roof and when they have their camp meeting in the building they'll have anywhere between two to four million people in the building they do you know think about this they had to change the way that they gave altar calls because if you're sitting in the back and need to be saved and are in pretty good shape if you take off jogging toward the altar 
a good time would be 15 minutes to get to the altar. So they had to change it. So they started putting platforms up all through the sanctuary. And when the altar call is given, someone stands on the platform and lifts a flag. And they say, if you want to be saved, just run to the nearest flag. And people are being saved. Do you know that they were telling me, I spoke to the head of the church of God uh, in Nigeria. He told me, he said, do you know that in some of these areas in Nigeria, even the, uh, the imams and those that are in the, the mosques have actually changed their meeting times. Because normally, you know, Muslims will meet on Friday night for mosques. He said they've changed it to Sunday morning. He said, because what's been happening is they'll go to Mount Mosque on Friday night, and then on Saturday, either the Redeemed Christian Church of God or uh, Winner's Chapel, Faith, Faith Tabernacle, they'll go street witnessing on Saturday and win people to Jesus, and they're emptying the mosques in these areas, and they said, we're not having it anymore. We're going to Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm just telling you, God's moving around the world. All over the world, people are hungry for a mighty move of the Holy Ghost. Largest crusades. I mean... Can you even imagine? If you want to really have your spirit shaken, I don't know if you've gotten to see this yet, go on YouTube and search evangelism in Nigeria. It's a video that Reinhard Bonnke put up before he passed away. There was a man who actually scored films for Hollywood. That was his job. He, he scored films, and he saw the altar calls that Brother Bonnke had been having in Nigeria and in Africa, he said, would you give me clips, video clips of your altar calls? I want to make a montage and score it with actual film scoring music. And they made that video, and it's entitled Evangelism in Nigeria. We were sitting with Dr. Bonnke before he passed away in his office in Orlando having lunch, and he began to tell us about it. And he said, come into my office. I want to show you the video. It had just been produced. We sat down on the couch. And let me tell you, if you've known anything or figured out anything about me in the last two nights, I'm a jumper, shouter, dancer. I'm not a crier. But I'm telling you, I sat on that couch, and I watched the video. He played it. And that one altar call after the next. And I began to weep. I mean, tears ran down my face. Do you know, in one of the crusades, in one night... He had 1.03 million people come forward to be saved in one night. He said, you know what the problem was? He said, we only had 375,000 altar workers. Hallelujah. And do you know, he told us, and of course we know in the last, uh, just in the last what, uh, 20 to 25 years of his ministry, he saw over 50 million salvations in Nigeria alone. I mean, you think about it. And they wouldn't even count them, you know, by actual card count. They didn't count them if they were illegible. They couldn't read them. There was no way to follow up. By actual card count, to have that kind of salvation impact. Let me tell you, it's greater than the apostles ever saw. It's greater than Paul ever saw. It's greater than the early church fathers ever saw. You know why? Because God saves the best for last. Hallelujah. I said God saves the best for last. And we're living in the last days before Jesus comes. And you should be encouraged. These might be the darkest days for the world, but they're the brightest days for the church. Hallelujah. For where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. And so I'm encouraging you tonight that you are in the right place at the right time to do what God's called you to do. If you believe it, shout aloud, amen. And I'm so excited. I mean, I'm so excited about what God's doing around the world. I'm going to go as hard as I can 
to see, you know, God use me in these final moments. I know you're the same. To say, I'm going to press in and let God use me to see people changed by the power of God. And uh, everything we can do, we must do. We have to do. Because now, this, this, of course, this verse rings in my spirit constantly. Gospel of John chapter 9, verse 4. And Jesus said to his disciples, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is yet day. For the night is coming where no man can work. And I keep that in my spirit because the gospel is a limited time offer. Amen. It's not for, it's not for all time. It's for now. now. I love that the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Amen. Not tomorrow, not next month, not next week. Today is the day of salvation. I want you to declare this. Today's my day for a miracle. Amen. And I'll tell you, it's, it's exciting to be in the middle of the end time move of God. You feel that way? You know, we're honored tonight to have our friends, Roger and Susan Walterhouse, here from Feed the Hungry, Lester Summerall's organization all the way from South Bend. Would you just stand and let the people see who you are from Feed the Hungry? So honored to have them with us. Thank you for being here. They came all the way from South Bend. Uh, and, of course, our ministry is partnered with Feed the Hungry as they're touching people all over the world, uh, you know, with not just the gospel of Christ, but literally the practicality of the love of Christ, feeding the hungry. And they were sharing with me today that even during the lockdown, even during the pandemic, that God expanded and blew up, blessed their ministry. And they're having, now they've got people in, in these nations doing things that the, the method of delivering the blessing has changed because of COVID, but they're still being able to bless. How, just in the last however many months, you said you've, you've been able to feed 600,000 people? 16 million meals. Think about that. Amazing. And God keeps doing it. And so I'm telling you, we've got the greatest opportunities now that we've ever had. It's amazing to see how the hand of God is outstretched throughout the world through his body. Somebody shout, that's me. Through the body of Christ, the hand of God is outstretched through the world, and we've got greater opportunities now than we've ever had. Hallelujah. I was thinking about it this morning. I mean, literally, if you don't know, I mean, you can see it if you grab one of our magazines for free before you go, but on the back you'll see and inside that we broadcast every single Monday through Friday on YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope. We broadcast for about an hour and a half every morning and preach the gospel, teach the gospel every single day. And it blows my mind to think, even while I've been here, I've been doing it. I've just set my phone up in the room on a tripod, and I just start preaching into my phone. And people, it blows my mind. People, and there you, you see the ad uh, that we're live Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. But to think, you know, we see the people logging on. We got people logging on from nations I've never even preached in that are hungry for the gospel. I see people logging on from the Middle East, from Western Europe, from Eastern Europe. We got people logging on from Dubai. People coming in, logging on from South and Central America, from the Caribbean islands. I mean, I can sit in a hotel room in Botkins, Ohio, Sydney, Ohio, and literally speak into my phone and preach the gospel around the world. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, it's amazing what Pastor Dosick is doing 
and the doors that are opening for this ministry, that he'll be able to speak into people and teach pastors and raise up leaders and literally preach crusades via Skype and see hundreds of thousands of people changed through technology. I mean, we're living in the greatest day that ever existed on the face of the earth. The apostles wish they have what we have right now. The early church wished they could do what we I was joking with Brother Eric a couple nights ago. I said, won't it be awesome for the gospel once they invent teleportation? I said, my God, we don't even have to get on a private plane. We can just step into the little booth and say, beam me up, Scotty, and man, we're gone. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you that we're living in the greatest time that ever existed. And it should encourage your heart. Because here's what the devil wants you to believe. He wants you to think and believe that nobody's interested in the gospel. That nobody's interested in Jesus. That nobody's interested in the move of the Holy Ghost. But can I tell you something? People are, this will be something that will interest you. You know, for one of the things that's really destroyed uh, young lives for the last 20 years is seeker-sensitive church. You don't have to shout them. We'll say it anyway. Seeker-sensitive church has destroyed. All these kids you see rioting in the streets and spitting in police officers' faces and breaking stuff and burning stuff, that's the result of a church that didn't preach the truth. It's my last night at this location. I'm just going to go and say whatever I want. At this point, you can't kick me out. Amen. <laughs> Ushers be on guard. Ushers, go now. God. Hear what I'm saying. Because we've had pastors that wouldn't preach against sin, churches that didn't preach holiness, we had churches that didn't care about doctrine, it was all about entertainment, they needed a light show, they needed a good coffee in the lobby, but they had no power of God in the church, so you had young kids for the last 20 years growing up in churches where God wasn't even welcome in the place. They had a form of godliness and denied the power thereof. Paul said when you see people like that, turn away from them. He didn't say get involved with them. He didn't say meet them at Starbucks for a drink. He said if you see people that have a form of godliness, but they deny his power, turn away from them, have nothing to do with them. And so we've seen a generation grow up that saw no power of God, saw their parents go to church, but when their parents got home, they were still screaming cuss words at each other, and there was no life change. And the kids concluded, this stuff must not work anyway. But it wasn't because the power of God doesn't work. It's because the power of God wasn't there. And if he's not there, there's no freedom. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Isaiah 10.27 said, And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. If the anointing is absent, then the yoke will not be destroyed. The burden will not be lifted. The sickness doesn't have to go. Demons don't have to be ejected. They can literally come to church every week and lift their hands and sit in with the rest of the crowd because there's not enough anointing to draw them out. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Have you read in Acts chapter 28, Paul was shipwrecked and went on the island of Malta. Is where he ended up. And when he got on the island, they said there was a group of people waiting to see if they were okay, and then they built a fire to help them out. Apparently it was cold. And so Paul went to gather some firewood for the fire. And see, once the fire had started getting hot, 
Notice he reached down, picked up some wood, and a snake jumped out and bit him on the hand. Remember that? Well, the snake didn't jump out till the fire started getting hot. See, snakes can stay hidden as long as the fire's not hot. They can attend churches where the power of God's not moving and slither in every Sunday and slither out and go back home and watch football because the fire's not hot enough to expose the venom that's in the pew. But when you go to a Holy Ghost church that preaches the power of God, you cannot sit there and be unchanged. You'll have to be forced to either leave and never come or be changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. See, the snake is a representation of the enemy. Notice what he latched himself onto, the hand of Paul. I heard my grandfather preach that the hand of Paul was a representation of the five-fold ministry gift that God's placed in the church. The thumb represents the apostle because it can touch every other ministry gift that there is. The pointer represents the prophet who points the way of God. The middle finger, the longest finger, the extended hand of God represents the evangelist who reaches out for the lost. So I tell everybody, I'm God's middle finger. Hallelujah. <laughs> the, the ring finger. <laughs> the ring finger that has the vein that runs all the way down to the heart. It represents the pastor who represents the heart of God for the sheep, for the, for the fold. And then the pinky representative of the teacher who can help you to grasp things in the word that you've never seen before. Without the pinky, you don't have a good grasp on what you're holding. And see, the devil hates preachers and teachers. He hates the fivefold ministry. He hates the authority of God. He wants to remove the authority from the churches so that there's no strength in the house of God. He doesn't want there to be strong men and women of God. He would rather have hirelings placed in the pulpits so that they can never really preach what God wants to say. They preach whatever the largest tither in church prefers to hear. Hallelujah. You know what I love about this cancel culture? I got no boss that you can cancel me. Hallelujah. Nobody you can call and say cancel his ministry. The devil can't cancel me. The antichrist spirit can't cancel me. You can't shut me up and you can't close me down because the church of Jesus Christ, it will continue to expand until Jesus comes back and he's coming soon. If you believe it, shout yes. The devil hates the anointing of God. Latched it onto his hand. Acts 28. And look at what the people. He must have secret sin. <laughs> people are fickle, man. They'll turn so quick on you. He must have secret sin in his life. Let me encourage you with a thought. Just because the devil attacks you doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Just because the devil attacks you doesn't mean you're not powerful. Some of y'all don't even know the testimony, but I had the tent set up preaching a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina about eight years ago. And my, I only had one child at the time, Madeline. She was two years old. And we set the tent up. I preached. And we had, I mean, we fed the whole, uh, we literally fed the whole, probably a thousand families we fed, set up blow-ups for the kids. We had face painting. We did everything we could to bless the community. We had people saved. We had people healed. Miracles taking place. 
And by the time that crusade came to an end, my little daughter, who was usually so full of energy and excitement, something had come over her body. And she was laying limp and her eyes rolling back into her head. And I had to carry her around. It was nothing like we'd ever seen. She never had to be carried around just limp and laying. We didn't know what was going on. We took her home to Virginia. I went into the doctor. I said, Doc, what's going on with my daughter? He said, oh, this doesn't look good. We're going to have to bring her in here, admit her, and take some blood tests. So we were in the hospital, and he came in and took some blood tests, took it to the laboratory, and it came back. He, he came in somber, good bedside manner. He said, Mr. Schultz, I'm very sorry to tell you this, but he said two things. Your daughter, number one, has a, a, a severe blood disease, and number two, she has congestive uh, not congestive heart failure, but my, my, myocarditis. Is that what it is? My, myocard. What is it? My, myocarditis? I don't know. It's one of those. It was an irregular heart. She had a blood disease and a heart problem. And, and he said, it doesn't look good. I'm very sorry. We're going to figure out what can be done. And so immediately, now think about this. I just came off of a crusade preaching the gospel where people are saved, people are healed, people are delivered, and my own daughter's being attacked by the devil. Well, you know what happens when that goes on in your life? First thing the devil does is start whispering in your ear. Well, I thought you were a faith man. I thought you were a miracle man. Word of faith preaching Pentecostal. You can't even keep your own family healed. You can't even keep the power of God on your own house. See, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of the brethren. Sitting there accusing me in the hospital. Telling me that she'll never be healed. You know what the doctor told me? He said because of what she has, she'll never be able to exert herself because it would be extremely bad for her heart. So she can never play sports. She can never run and get her heart rate up. She has to be very docile. She'll have to be on heart medication for the rest of her life. Told me every sad story that he could tell me in that one moment. And I began to say one thing. This will not be her story in Jesus' name. This will not be her story in Jesus' name. This will not be her story in Jesus' name. And see, because I'm a Pentecostal, even though I am, I still was willing to get a prescription. I went home, got it myself. It was in the Lazy Susan. It was the Mazzola cooking oil. I went and got it from the house and brought it back to the hospital. I'm sure the nurses were wondering, why is he bringing oil into the hospital? I had my own dish to cook up in the hospital room. And we walked in. My wife and I started fasting and praying. I dumped that oil into my hand, and I anointed that little baby's head. Bam, two years old on the hospital bed glory to God see I grew up Pentecostal before I was even hit puberty I had acne just from being anointed with oil so much on my forehead I had just a constant cowlick that went straight back like this just so many times under I grew up this way I understand the power of God I went and got the oil I went to heaven's pharmacy hallelujah Heaven's Pharmacy had a prescription ready for my baby girl. Oh, glory to God. See, because I serve the one who is the great physician. That means he's greater than any physician. That means he's greater than any specialist, greater than any surgeon, greater than, a, greater than any pharmacist. I went and got my own prescription. For the Bible says, is there any sick among you? Let them call upon the elders of the church who will anoint them with oil and lay their hands upon them and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. How many believe it? Got in that room, took that oil, my wife and I anointed that baby in Jesus' name. I cursed every disease. 
I cursed that heart problem, every issue attacking my baby. Now the doctors came back in. They said, Mr. Shuttlesworth, I just wanted to let you know that we have to take some more tests. I said, well, that's fine. Take the test you need. So they drew more blood. But when they came back, he came back in the room. It wasn't just him, the doctor. He had two other doctors with him, and they're checking all the machines. Now they think their machines are busted. Checking it out. Other two doctors got clipboards. They're making notes. I said, something's up here. They said, uh, we, got, we got to take a little bit more tests here. We got to figure out what's going on. I said, take some more. They took some more blood, came back. The next time they came back, it was the doctor and the other two doctors. Now they got medical students in the room with their clipboards. They're trying to learn something. Something's happening that they don't understand. Finally, he came back to me. He said, Mr. Shuttlesworth, I don't know what to tell you, but I can't find any trace of the disease. I can't find the heart problems. I got to send her home with a clean bill of health. Hallelujah. Because we serve the great physician. He is God Almighty. Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth thee. There's nothing too hard for your God. If you believe it, shout amen. Healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Woo, glory to God. See, when the devil tries to attack you, tries to make you feel like you're the problem. Huh? Try to make you feel like you're the problem. But the problem is, you're his problem. That's why he's wasting his limited resources on you. Think of this. This ought to encourage you. Anytime the devil does attack you, you ought to get happy about it. Because number one, he's got limited resources. All he's got is himself and the angels that rebelled and left heaven with him. And even a portion of them are already chained up in Tartarus, the Bible says, for sleeping with women in the Old Testament producing giants. God judged those angels immediately. So they're gone. And he's not a creator, so he can't create any more demons or any more angels. Limited resources. And if he's willing to use limited resources to come against you and your family, that means he looks at you and sees a threat in your house, knowing i got to do something to stop them. If I don't, I'm in trouble. And if he's attacking you, you ought to lift your hands and say, thank God I'm that much of a threat to the kingdom of darkness that the devil feels like he has to do something about it. But I'm telling you tonight just because you're attacked it does not mean you'll be defeated. For the Bible said Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. You always triumph in his name. <laughs> Somebody said I always triumph. We're more than conquerors. More. 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 I'm not a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. <laughs> Think about that. Let the devil put that in his pipe and smoke it. You're not coming up against conquerors, sucker. You're coming up against more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Somebody shout, I'm more than a conqueror. And Paul's on the island with a snake on his hand. Whew. Let me tell you, you might have a, a moment in your life where you feel like you got a viper hanging on you. Thing trying to come against you like I felt in Charlotte. Felt back in Virginia. What's this viper doing trying to mess with my family? What's this snake doing? What's this serpent doing 
trying to mess around with my loved ones, trying to touch my physical body, trying to mess with my finances, trying to touch my peace and my joy, trying to mess with my marriage. What's this serpent doing? Thinking he can just run in my house and take whatever he wants and do whatever he wants. It's time for somebody to put the foot down in the mighty name of Jesus and say, devil, this far and no further. When I lived in Virginia, I had uh, neighbors who had a beautiful big white dog. Her name was Roxy, and I love dogs. I am a dog person. I am not a cat person. I'm sorry for those of you that love them. I can tell there's evil behind those eyes. I've seen it. I've seen it. Dogs, you know something good about them. They're always waiting for you. When you get home, they're happy to see you. The tail's wagging. They're looking you on your face, jumping up to greet you. Cats just sit on the couch and stare at you and say, I, I was hoping you wouldn't come back home. I don't know what you're doing here. You never see a cat when they do this at you and they just kick those feet? It's like, this is my house. So I pay the mortgage on this house. Whiskers. And so they have, <laughs> I'm kidding. If you have a cat, I'm sure, you know, maybe it'll, maybe it'll be in heaven. Um. <laughs> but, but this dog was beautiful big white dog stood about that tall big chest huge dog her name was Roxy and we have a, a picket fence between our homes I was out back one day cooking burgers on the grill and I had them all frying up and I was going back in to get some marinade and uh, I turn around uh, I went through the sliding glass door into my kitchen I went over to the kitchen and I, when I turn around to go back out I saw a white streak go through my house I thought, what in the world is going on? So it was just like this. I walked and looked down the entryway, and there's Roxy up by my front door in the entryway, sitting on my welcome mat. She's just looking, smiling at me. She's happy to be in my house. And I thought to myself, that ain't my dog, and she don't belong in my house with her muddy paws on my light gray carpet. So I walked down that hallway, entryway, and I grabbed a hold of Roxy's collar. And I started walking her back the way she came in. She didn't want to leave. She drugged those back feet the whole way through. I said, come on, you're coming with me. I drug Roxy back out. We went back through the sliding glass door. We got back to the fence. I picked her up. I laid her back on her side of the fence. And right when I set her down, I heard the Holy Ghost say, that's exactly what you got to do with the devil. Because there's people that have left some doors open in their life. And the devil will come in and sit there. He'll sit on your couch, put his muddy boots on your coffee table, and say, bring me a coffee. And act like he belongs in your house. But it's time for some people of God to be big enough to grab him by the nap of the neck and drag him back the way he came and kick him back where he came from and say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. He's walking around with a viper on his hand. Oh, he's got secret sin. It's funny to me how, pe how quickly people talk about you when you go through something. Did you hear about Brother Ted's daughter? I thought he had faith. I thought he was Holy Ghost filled. It's funny to me how quick people talk about you when you're dealing with something. See, I'm going to show you one of the things that is a cancer in the body of Christ. Division. Where there's people that are at odds with each other for one reason or another. It might be something small. It might be something minuscule. But I've been to churches. My dad preached at a church one time that there'd been a feud going on in the church for so long that now they were separated by the aisle. This family sat in this section, that family, and they never spoke to each other, and they never had anything to do with each other. And by the time they all forgot, they couldn't even remember why they were feuding. 
I mean, they came to the end of it. Imagine this. My father had never been to this church before, ever in his life. First time there. Walks in. Gets, they did their praise and worship. He gets up. This is in the early days of his ministry, like one of the first meetings he ever had. My mom's there. They're newly married. You know, she's super proper from New England. And, you know, and he's a wild guy from Virginia. And he comes up, takes the microphone. And God said, don't preach one thing. Tell them they're all in sin. They better repent if they want revival. He said, folks, I'm not preaching one thing. The Lord says you need to repent. And I'll be back tonight to start the revival. Bonnie, let's go. And literally... <laughs> About 35 minutes into the service after praise and worship, they introduced him, and that was his message. He said, we're done, repent, and we're, we'll be back tonight to start. And he went to the diner and got something to eat for lunch. And he didn't know how it turned out. She said, what do you think is going to happen? He said, I don't know, but <laughs> they better repent. The pastor told him later. pastor said, after you left, Brother Ted, he said there, a, a move of the Holy Ghost came into the church. He said people started crying on one side. They walked across the aisle to people they'd feuded with for 15, 20 years and began to hug them and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. You forgive me, I forgive you. And they, the whole place began to forgive one another. The whole place began to hug. The families came back together. <laughs> oh yeah, they came back. They came back uh, the next, that, that night to start the revival and literally a whole new spirit of revival in the church. All once love came back. Once forgiveness came back, once the division was gone, once unity was restored, the power of God came back in. He said they had one of the mightiest weeks of revival that they'd ever seen. The pastor was so weary from having to deal with this congregation for so long with those problems that that revival so stirred him up. He said, he said, the pastor took the mic on the final night when the service was over. He said, folks, this is the best move of God we've ever had in this church. I've never seen the church in this great a shape. I resign as your pastor. This is my final night. God bless you all. And the pastor said it was such a great move. He just said, let's leave it at a high note. <laughs> I mean, forgiveness came in. See, division's a killer. Did you know God will use division on your enemies? Oh, hallelujah. God knows how much division destroys, so he will actually use it on your enemies. Did you ever read what happened at the Tower of Babel? God looked at those wicked people, pagans. He said, if I don't go down there, they're in such unity, such accord, anything they set their heart to do, they will accomplish it. Not righteous people, wicked people. What did God do? He came down and brought confusion to his enemies. Oh, hallelujah. And the confusion stopped what they had planned to do. Ever read 2 Chronicles 20? Three armies united against God's people to take them out. And God said, here's what I want you to do. Get the tribe of Judah. Let them go first. Carry the Ark of the Covenant. Begin to praise and worship me. And the battle's not your battle, but the battle is the Lord's. And the Bible says as they begin to praise him, as they begin to worship him, the Spirit of the Lord went ahead of them.
and made it sound like confusion in the camp of the three armies until they all started drawing their swords and fighting against one another. And by the time Judah got to the lookout point in the wilderness, they looked down into the valley and all that was left were corpses on the ground. Every one of them had been destroyed. Why? God sent confusion into the camp of the enemy. I'm prophesying to you tonight, get ready. Everything that stood against you, everything that said you wouldn't make it, everything that said you were this is your last year, it's time to fold it's curtains for you God's getting ready to send confusion to every one of your enemies until one thing that stood against you will oppose another thing stood against you until every one of them is flat on the ground in the mighty name of Jesus if you believe it shout yes and God will divide your enemies I told you last night God didn't just open the Red Sea to deliver his people. He opened it to drown his enemies. Isn't that interesting that once the last person was across, God didn't just let the waves fall back down and separate them? He said, no, come on, keep coming. Keep on coming. Beep, beep, beep. Back that truck up. Come on, get all, everybody get in there. And when they'd all gotten in with their big bad horses and chariots, with their archers, with their hand-to-hand -hand combat style soldiers, the number one army in the world, the number one nation, the number one kingdom, looks so big, looks so bad. He said, go ahead and bring them in. Go ahead and bring them in. Oh, glory to God. And once they were all in the middle, he just lifted his hand and let the water fall. And when the water fell, all those years of slavery, all those years of bondage, it was washed away in one fell swoop because God knows how to destroy your enemies on your behalf. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. See, if you understand the type and shadow here, see, Pharaoh was a type of Satan. Egypt is a type of sin. Of course, the Israelites are God's people that were bound by the type of sin and by the devil. But notice this. This will preach all night. But see, in the New Testament, the same thing happened. Jesus said to the woman at the well, Aha, I've got living water to give you. If you'll drink of this living water, you'll never thirst again. But what did he also say? He said, I am the door. Anybody that comes in must come through this living water. Oh, glory to God. Every one of us, just like the Israelites, every person in this house tonight that is a Christian and on your way to heaven, you had to walk through the water as well. Every one of us walked through the living water to come unto God. But notice that on the cross, when he's got his arms raised and hands nailed, they came and they pierced him in his side. And blood and water hallelujah flowed out of his body and let me tell you at that moment when they pierced him it was the same movement as God closing the sea and the water gushed 
in on the enemies of God. But on the cross, when they pierced him, the water gushed out and the water washed away. Oh, hallelujah. Every enemy that was standing against your life, the blood and the water, the blood and the water, the blood and the water. There's no demon big enough to stop the blood and the water. Paul standing there with a viper on his hand. <laughs> and they're all talking about him. I know he's got sacred sin. Wonder what he's doing. And Paul, without even paying him any attention, just walks over to the fire. Because the same fire that was hot enough to draw the serpent out is the same fire that's hot enough to burn it up. <laughs> the same fire that draws it out is the same fire that'll burn it up. I said the same fire that draws it out is the same fire that'll burn it up. Why do you think we need the fire of God in our churches today? Because there's some stuff that needs to be exposed in Jesus' name. There's stuff that's been creeping through the body of Christ because where there's a lack of fire and a lack of light, things can creep in the shadows. But it's time for the fire of God again to burn in our churches throughout this nation and around the world. It's time for the light of God to shine. I mean, you got churches, mega churches, that are standing up and people are stepping out to say, well, I've been the choir director for years and i got a relationship. I have a homosexual relationship with somebody in the choir. And you're telling me that the preacher who's the head of that church couldn't feel that in his spirit? Where's the discernment of the men of God? How can you have an unclean spirit? And for those of you watching on live stream, I am calling homosexuality an unclean spirit. We love homosexuals. I love every lesbian. Never met one I didn't love. Never met one transgender person I didn't love. Never met anybody in that community I didn't love. But that doesn't change the fact that the action is a sin. Doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means I love you enough to tell you the truth. Let me give you a help, some help here because in my generation, they're trying to brainwash all of us to tell us if you don't accept somebody's life hook, line, and sinker, you don't truly love them. If you don't accept how they act and who they are, they, you ever hear people say, well, if you really love me, you wouldn't try to change me. You don't love the real me. You just love the me that you're trying to make. This is me. I, I speak my mind. I'm blah, 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 blah. They tell us if you don't love somebody with every action that they take and all the things that they do, then you don't truly love them. You're against them. You're trying to say, I'm not against you. Imagine it this way. Imagine a mother who had a son, tried to raise him to the best of her ability, and when he gets old, he becomes a mass murderer, kills a bunch of people. And now he's been caught by the authorities, and he's been given the death sentence. And she attends the execution of uh, lethal injection. And she's sitting in the room with tears flowing down her face. Can anybody in that room look at her and say, how can you love such a monster? How in the world can you sit there and cry for a man that killed all these people? No, she doesn't love his murder. She doesn't love all the acts that he committed of treason. But what does she love? The one that she gave birth to. The one that she raised. The one that she fed. The one that she clothed. She doesn't have to love his actions to love him. 
they've lied to us. And universities and high schools across America have spewed propaganda into the ears of our young people and told them what they had to believe. And if you don't believe it, then we'll harass you and we'll cause you to be a cast outcast and we won't treat you the same as everybody else. And our college campuses have become nothing more than propaganda centers for an antichrist spirit. And I'm telling you tonight, you can love homosexuals without loving the sin. You can love lesbians without loving the sin. You can love transgender without loving the sin. Think of this. I got a little four-year-old boy. Imagine if he was out here on the interstate playing out there on the double lines. A good parent who loves their son is not going to stand over to the side and say, well, you better get over here. You're going to be in timeout. That's the interstate. I look down the road. I see a Mack truck coming. Am I going to stand on the side? Mister, you better get over here. Do you want me to take away video games? No. A father who loves that boy will be screaming, running. You might see me. You might be seeing me run out onto that highway, grab his arm, and jerk him off that road and run off. And if your lens is so far zoomed in that all you see is a big old 38-year-old dad yanking on a little four-year-old's arm, you might call Child Protective Services and say, I don't think some big man should be yanking on a little boy. Think of his shoulder. Think of his joints. You can't be yanking on a little boy like that. That's too rough. That's harassment. But if you just zoom your lens out a little bit, you'd see the Mack truck coming and see that if I didn't act as I was supposed to act, then he would have been paced on the pavement. And the problem with today's generation is their lens is too far zoomed in. And they say, how do you speak that kind of way to people who think that that's what they are? That's harassment. That's you being too rough. That's you being too wild. Zoom your lens out, baby. There's a Mack truck coming called eternity. And if we don't tell them the truth and tell them quick, it'll be too late. Somebody shout, too late. I don't want it to be too late. I said, I don't want it to be too late. This world needs Jesus. And I don't want it to be too late. I don't want to get to heaven, realize I could have said more, could have done more, could have reached more, but I was too intimidated by the spirit of the world to actually preach the truth. In Canada, for a period of time, just in the last few years, they passed a law. That if you preached against homosexuality, even read Romans chapter 1 from the pulpit, the first offense was a warning from the government. Second offense was a $10,000 fine. And the third offense was jail time. Let me tell you something. You better get a jail cell ready, baby. I'll write letters from jail like Paul if I have to. But I ain't bending the truth because there's somebody that doesn't like the truth whether they're in the government or not. Isn't it funny to me? I always, I laughed through the pandemic because everybody started quoting Romans 13 in the body of Christ. Everybody talked about Romans 13, Hitler's favorite scripture, by the way. 
You must obey all those in government. Obey all those in authority. That's Hitler's favorite scripture. Everybody in the body was putting that on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything else. How come you churches, you need to be able to read Romans 13. How about flip your Bible open and read Romans 529 or Acts 529 where the apostles stood in front and said, we must obey God rather than man. And anytime the government edicts come against what the word of God said, you are not required to obey the government anymore. Obey God over men. That's the word. The whole Bible, by the way, is people of God opposing evil edicts of the government. You don't have to shout, but I'm preaching the truth right now. Read Daniel 3. Here's a statue. When you hear the music, bow down and worship it. Government mandate. Well, you know, Romans 13. Don't you wish Daniel had, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have had Romans 13 so they could have bowed to the image? Well, the Bible does say, you know, we should obey those in rulership and authority. Don't you wish they'd have had it? Don't you wish Daniel would have had it when the king signed a decree by evil men, don't pray to anybody else other than the king, knowing Daniel prayed three times a day to the Lord his God? Don't you wish Daniel would have had Romans 13 so he could have just obeyed the edict and prayed to the king instead of Jehovah? Never would have had to deal with that stupid lion's den. When they brought the disciples and the apostles before them, said, don't you ever preach in the name of Jesus again. We must obey God rather than men. Don't you wish Paul had already written Romans 13 so the disciples could have just said, you're right, the name of Jesus is a little too offensive. You know, we, we need to just probably just come back in line. People have lost their minds. It's called context and it matters. You know, we got people getting their ordination papers from a website online and starting churches. They have no idea. 99, according to Barna, 90-some percent of pastors graduate from seminary have never read the Bible all the way through one time. One time. But by, boy, we got them in, you know, six-piece suits that'll melt in the sun in storefront churches preaching who knows what to people that are got itching ears that want to hear it. Meanwhile, we're laying down our rights. We're laying down what the Bible says. They're telling us don't sing in churches. We're like, okay, well, you know, the government did say don't sing in church. It's just going to be for a little while, folks, just a little while. Please, it'll be the day when the government can tell me I won't sing to my God. Come and see people in my home church and be a part of what God's doing on the earth. Since when did the government have the right to tell God's people when they could do what they do and when they could not do what they're called to do? You don't know who you're talking to. Don't put your hand on the people of God. Don't put your hand on the body of Christ. You stand too close to the gates of hell. You'll get burned up. takes the power of God to stand for God. It was on his hand. But the fire, he shook it off in the fire. If we don't have the fire, we ain't got nothing. Nothing. Might as well be some other religion. If you don't get the fire of the Holy Ghost, you might as well be a Buddhist, you might as well be a Hindu, might as well be a Muslim. Because it's all the same at that point. I said it's all the same at that point. If there's no power of God, you don't believe in the resurrection of Christ, you don't believe in the power of God. My cousin was in New York, got in a cab, saw that the man was a Muslim by his name tag, and he had, you know, Islamic paraphernalia. He said, can I ask you a question? Didn't say he was a preacher, didn't say he was a Christian. He said, can I ask you a question? He said, um, now that you've moved to the United States, he knew the man was from another country. He said, since you've come to the United States, has it been hard for you 
to keep up your five times a day daily prayer as a Muslim? He said, oh, no. He said, we now have uh, alerts, reminders, even smartphone apps that will remind us about the times, the calls to prayer throughout the day. He said, so all I do is when my phone goes off and the call to prayer happens, I just turn my light off and drive to the nearest mosque and go and do my prayer time and come back out and start my cab again. And my cousin said, that's really interesting. He said, can I ask you a question? He said, in all the years you've been a Muslim, what's the greatest miracle you've ever seen Allah do? He said, when he asked that, dude spun around. He said, you're a Christian, aren't you? He said, well, I'm just asking you a question about, about Islam. He said, seriously, what's the greatest? He said, no, I know you're a Christian. He said, the way I know you're a Christian is because only Christians think that way. They pray to get answers, and they pray to have miracles, and they pray to see things happen with their personal God that they have. He said, as Muslims, we don't pray to have an answer. We don't pray for miracles. We pray because it's our duty to pray. It was an interesting thing. That Muslim gave a better testimony than most Christians can do in a church. He said he understood that Christians pray to get an answer. Christians pray expecting their God to answer. He never expected his God to answer him, yet for years he was willing to pray five times a day to a God that's never been alive to hear his prayers. But you got some Christians that won't pray once a day to a God that's never been dead not to hear their prayers. What I'm telling you is we serve the one and only true and living God and he's alive today. He's on the throne and Jesus is coming back soon. See, I had a, ba- a man in my church in Virginia who was a staunch Muslim who's from Brooklyn, and as a young man, he actually would go out into the streets and call young men in. He'd have a small crowd of young men, and he would preach from the Quran to these young men and convert them into Islam. He was so zealous, he was such an evangelist for the Muslim religion that the local imams had pegged him early and said, you'll be an imam before long, literally, rising up through the ranks. But something happened to him. His name was Ibrahim ben Banu. He went to my church, my uncle's church that I was the associate at. And he said, something happened. He said, my daughter came down with a disease. And uh, he said, I brought my daughter, brought this matter up to the imams locally. And they told me plain and simple, if your daughter has this disease, it's because Allah wants her to have it. It's his will for her life. He said, it broke my heart. He said, I went to work, and he said, a dude at work who was a Christian said, listen, there's this revival going on out on Long Island. He said, it's a Christian revival. He said, but I know your story about your daughter. He said, and literally, he said, I don't think you have anything to lose. He said, you should take her out there. They say people are getting healed at this revival. He said, so you don't have anything to lose. You should take your daughter out there and see if they'll pray for her and see if she gets healed. And he said, I was at such a low point. I was so dejected. He said, you know what? I will try anything I can do to save my daughter. And so he put her in the car, took her out to Long Island, took her to the revival, took her inside. The preacher that was preaching that night laid hands on his daughter and prayed for her, and she was healed by the power of God. He said, when I saw that there was a God 
who not only wanted to heal my daughter, but was able to heal my daughter. He said, when I saw that, he said, let me tell you, I made a decision from that day forward that as hard as I served Allah and Muhammad the prophet, he said, from that day forward, I will serve Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And let me tell you, he became a zealot for the Christian faith. And he was one of those guys that would stop you in the lobby after church and give you another 45 minutes of what God's able to do. People trying to get to their car because the casserole's getting cold, and he's ready to give you a whole nother message. Why? Because the power of God worked in his life. Let me tell you that you can go anywhere that a false god supposedly originated. You can take if you want a pilgrimage to Mecca and they'll roll the glass case out with Muhammad's bones inside but he's dead and he's never coming back again and there's three places where people say Jesus was buried the Catholics believe he's buried in one spot Protestants believe he's buried in another spot now there's a new archaeologist who really believes he figured out where Jesus was buried but I challenge you tonight Go down to Home Depot, buy yourself a shovel, and go and get yourself a plane ticket. Get over there and dig till you're blue in the face, but you ain't going to find any bones in the ground because Jesus is not dead tonight. Jesus is alive, and if he's alive, I'm telling you, he's coming back soon. We serve the only true and living Savior, and his name is Jesus. Woo, glory to God. Nobody like him. <laughs> There's nobody like him. Paul shook that snake off in the fire. I ought to write notes for this message at some point. It's not bad. I'll get the CD. Remember Brother Shambach preached that message? He was overseas. Was very unhappy with the results. He was having the crusade. Nobody was coming. Do you remember that story? And he said he was, he was, he was you know, you got a big place, and if you, even, a, even a pretty good crowd doesn't look great if you got a big place. And remember, he's, he was believing God for a miracle to bring the souls in. And it was a blind woman, wasn't it? A blind woman. And he said, tell the interpreter, I'm going to pray. And he went through the names of all the gods. Tell him I'm going to pray in the name of Allah. The interpreter said, I ain't saying that. He said, you tell the people. And he went through every false god he could think of. Prayed in every name he could think of. Nothing happened. Somebody asked him one time, what would you have done if you prayed in that name and those eyes came open? He said, I'd have changed religions. He said, but he said to the interpreter, now tell them I'm going to pray in the name that's above every name. <laughs> you remember that? And he laid his hands on that woman and, he let, and prayed in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when he took his eyes off, or his hands off her eyes, she said, in her language, I can see you. The interpreter said, she said she can see you, you're white. He said, tell her she got the miracle. Hallelujah. Eyes came open. Why? Because there's a name that's above every other name. There's a name that carries power. There's a name that carries fire. There's a name that carries glory. And when you speak that name, every demon has to bow its knee. Every wicked thing has to run at the name of Jesus Christ, the name above every name. He shook that serpent off into the fire. Burn it up. What did the people say then? He must be a god. Look how quick they changed. 
He's got secret sin. One moment later, when his deliverance comes, he must be a god. <laughs> See, they weren't too far off because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead was dwelling in him. That God-like spirit, he'd become united with Christ. The works that I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these, because I'm going to be with the Father. That same spirit was in him. It caused him to be literally in a place where he was exempted from deadly venom. What would have killed other people didn't kill him. What would have taken others out couldn't take him out. Lift your hands all over this church. I tell you, what was killing other people will not kill you. What was taking other people out will not take you out. What the devil thinks he can let sweep through this nation, destroy the families of America. It might come on somebody else, but it cannot take you out in Jesus' name. You don't have to fear the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence that sweeps through at night. I'm telling you, if you're under the shadow of the Almighty, then there is no weapon formed against you that can be allowed to prosper. Somebody ought to give God glory that there's nothing the devil can do to stop the people of God. Oh, yes. The victory of God belongs to his church. He's given us the victory. Somebody make it personal. Say, he's given me the victory. I'm getting ready to close and pray for you. He's given me the victory. Giving you the victory. Victory is not temporary. It's permanent. Let me ask you a question. If a team wins the Super Bowl and they have a Super Bowl trophy... Super Bowl 47, whatever one you want to pick. Is there ever a time throughout history that somebody can just walk in and say, actually, you're not the 47th Super Bowl winner anymore. We're just going, we're going to go ahead and take that back. No. There might be other Super Bowl winners in the future. But for Super Bowl 47, there's only one champion. You can't come in and say, well, you're not this year, you're not the 47th champion. Maybe next year we'll let you be it again. No, once they won, they've won. Once the trophy's on the mantle, the trophy's on the mantle. Once they've been declared the victor, they're the victor. And you can't stop them from being the champion. Doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter how you hate it, they're the champion. You know the devil hates it. There's a lot of things he wants to do. A lot of things he wants to say. A lot of things he'd like to spew at you. But one thing he can't change is you're already the champion. You've already got the trophy. You already hold the victory in your hand. One thing he cannot do anything about is what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary when he shed the blood because he said it is fit. Oh, hallelujah. Before I pray... Listen to this. When I was in Bible school, they took us to that passage and taught us what that word meant in the Greek language. Got me so excited, I almost ran around college. They said in the Greek, the word when he said it is finished is the Greek word tetelestai. They said really if you study history, it had two contexts. The two historical contexts of that word, it would be declared 
in two different ways. The first way is if you owed a financial debt. And if the creditor came to your house to collect on that debt, they would show you your balance. And if you had the ability to pay it off, you could pay them the debt. They would write across your bill, tetelestai, which meant paid in full. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost on this. Jesus up on the cross. You had a debt you could not pay. You owed it. He said, don't you worry about it. I'm going to buy up all your debt. Jesus said, I'm going to buy up all your debt, and then I'm going to pay it all off myself. He took it upon himself. He didn't have any sin in his blood. And because he didn't have any sin in his blood, he could take your sin on his body. Hallelujah. You know, I heard people talking that don't understand redemption. They didn't even think the cross was enough. I was listening to some preachers that didn't believe the cross was enough. They said, no, Jesus had to do other things beyond the cross. He said, because if the, this is how much they don't understand it. They said, if the cross was enough, then the two thieves on either side of them could have paid for your sin. I said, do you not understand that it was his blood that allowed him to stand in your place? It was the sinless blood of Jesus Christ that allowed him to take the sins. Woo! Somebody shout, he bought up my debt. He bought up your debt and then put it upon his body. He who knew no sin was made to be sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He took that debt that you didn't have the resources to pay. You could have worked 70 years and never made what it was necessary to pay that sin debt off. But he said instead of you going 70, 80 years trying to pay it off by works and trying to pay it off by the law, let me just take it all upon my body and in one moment, oh hallelujah, in one moment I will cancel your debts by the power of my blood. And when he was laid up on the cross, he finally got done with the punishment and said tetelestai it is finished paid in full let me tell you if the devil tries to tell you as a born again believer you got some things to pay somebody needs to just pull the receipt out see because here's the thing if you ever have you ever bought something and then maybe a shirt some shoes, and you decided you didn't want them, so you brought them back. Had to go to customer service. And you came up, you know what the first thing they always ask you is? Well, do you have the receipt? Yeah. And then if you don't have it, they say to you, well, you paid 40 for these, but right now they're on sale for $29.99, and if you don't have the receipt, then we can only give you $29.99 for the shoes. And you can stand there at the counter and argue about the value of an item. About to preach this to you because there's people the devil will come to and tell them they're worthless and tell him might as well kill yourself and you might as well just end it all because you've got no value and here's the thing we could sit around and argue about value and worth if we didn't have the receipt 
but because we have the receipt tonight that Jesus went onto the cross and took the debit card of his blood and swiped it through the machine and when he got the receipt he said paid in full and if the devil ever tries to make you pay again or tries to make you feel like you don't have worth pull that receipt out and say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Woo! that's the first way the second way they said in times of war the generals which would have been older men they would be up on the hills or the mountains looking down into the valley where the battle was being waged the armies were fighting hand-to-hand combat one with another the generals given signs watching But they said, when he saw, when he saw that his army had overtaken and gotten the momentum of the battle and saw that it was inevitable that they would win, might be a few stragglers still out there trying to fight back, but when he saw they'd taken the victory, the general would stand up in his stirrups on his horse, lift his sword into the air, and yell into the valley, Tetelestai, which means the victory is won. Glory to God. And our great general, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary, when he saw the battle being waged for your soul and for mine, for your life and for mine, once that blood was shed, the stripes upon his back, the piercing in his side, the nails in his hands and feet, he came up. He didn't need to draw a sword because, as I said last night, the two-edged sword is already in his mouth. He shouted out with a loud voice the victory it is won Tetelestai your debt is paid in full and your victory is won if you believe it tonight I wish somebody jump up on your feet lift your hands to heaven and give God all the praise come on and give God all the praise Somebody lift your hands and worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we praise you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to the Most High God. Come on, open your mouth and praise Him. Open your mouth and worship Him. Name above all names. I said name above all names. He won the battle. Won the battle. Paid your debt. Debt is paid in full. Sins are forgiven. Bow your head. You might be here tonight and you know your sins have not yet been forgiven. See, it's not automatic. He said, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart God raised Christ from the dead, you shall be saved. Takes an action on your part. 
to receive the gift of salvation. You have to answer the call. No man can be saved unless the Spirit draws him. And that's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're in this church tonight and you don't know if heaven would be your home. You're not sure whether your sins are forgiven. You don't know whether or not you're ready for heaven. If Jesus came tonight, could you look him in the eye? Could you call him Savior? Could you call him Lord? If not, tonight is your night to receive forgiveness for everything the enemies use to destroy you. Everything that stands between you and God. Don't miss your moment. With those heads bowed and those eyes closed, if that's you, you say, I need to pray that prayer with you, preacher. I need to know that I'm ready to see Jesus. I need to know my sins are forgiven and that I'm ready for heaven. If you know you need to pray that prayer and if you need to make all things new, throw your hand up right wherever you're sitting. We're going to pray. Where are you? Lift it and wave it at me if you're here. I see it over here on the side. Who else? Who else? Don't let me miss one. Don't let me miss one. Tonight is your night. I'm looking across the crowd to see if there's anybody I'm missing. Before we pray this. I feel this anointing. If you lifted your hand, come stand with me real quick. Come on, come stand with me. Let's do it as a family. Come on. Quickly come. Praise God. Take my hand. Let's pray this together. Everybody, every head bowed. Every eye closed. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for sending your son to die for me. I'm asking you, forgive me of my sin. Make me new. Give me the power to live for you for the rest of my life. Until I die or until you come, I confess Jesus is Lord. And I believe you raised him from the dead. From this day forward, I'm a child of God, a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. In Jesus' name, lift your hands. Father, I pray you fill him with the mighty power of the Spirit. Use him for your glory. Open doors for him. Protect him from harm and danger. Every wicked thing sent by the enemy to destroy him is broken tonight by the power of God. In Jesus' wonderful name, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Somebody clap your hands and give Jesus glory. Lift your hands. Is there a woman here that's been in a car accident or something that you have pain that's remained from that or almost even a crippling condition? If you are, come down to this altar quickly. I'm going to pray. You've had some kind of an... I don't know if it's an accident or some kind of an accident, but you feel it. And there's been a, a remaining crippling condition or some kind of an issue in your body like that. I'm going to pray. Amen, sister. I'm going to pray for you. Anybody else? Amen. See that? Interesting. God knows the need of one. But he's going to touch you. Do you know all the way, take my hand, all the way... In Concord, New Hampshire, the Holy Ghost was already thinking about you tonight. 
called my father today. I said, Dad, how was your meeting? He said, it's powerful. He said, there's a lady there that's going to be in the service tonight that was in an accident, left effects in her body. He said, tell her God's going to heal her tonight. And so I came with a word for you from the prophet of God. Lord's touching you tonight. Lift your hands. When I lay my hands upon you, the power of the Holy Ghost coming into your body, all things being made new by the power of the Holy Ghost. I take authority over the effects of this accident in Jesus' name. I take authority and command them to go, loose their grip, and let you go tonight. Every issue, every crippling condition, the pain, everything that was left, I speak to it tonight in the mighty name of Jesus, commanded to loose its grip and come out by the power of God. Go in Jesus' name. Be made whole. <laughs> Be made whole in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Glory to God. Be made whole in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we give you glory. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you praise. All over this house, lift those hands. Power of God's moving right now. Lift your hands and worship Him. Lift, lift, lift your hands. His presence is here right now. The name that's above every name. The name that's above every name. The name that's above every name. Glory. 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 Lift your hands, Roger, Susan. In this upcoming year, be the most blessed year you've ever had personally, 2021. For God has a season of increase that's going to hit you so hard. And this house thing is just the beginning of it, just the beginning. For the increase of heaven, for your faithfulness, is coming upon your life. You shall see such a wide, violent increase. People will look at you and say, how in the world did that happen? They won't be able to understand it. They won't be able to, to say, they'll be trying to figure it out. It's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it's the Holy Ghost. And so we loose it tonight in Jesus' name. The mighty increase of heaven. The blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow. You'll not lack for any good thing. Fire of God, come upon them tonight. Fire of the Holy Ghost, come upon You shall not lack for any good thing. And the work of your hands will be blessed. Oh, I see. And even in, in these nations, as you're traveling, Brother Roger, the miracles of God will begin to flow. You'll see them through the works of your hands, signs, wonders, miracles. Uh, and it'll be a testament to the fact Jesus is alive. And they'll come. Uh, what you saw before that we discussed today, that's just the beginning. For they'll begin to gather leaders, pastors, They'll begin to gather first by the hundreds, then by the thousands. Then you'll see yourself in a place where multiplied thousands are gathering together to hear the word of the Lord and to be encouraged and be trained and be equipped. And this is just the beginning. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. <laughs> oh, glory to God. And you'll be so happy when you see it happen. You'll la he'll fill your mouth with laughter. Oh, Fill your tongue with singing. <laughs> it's going to spark revival in these nations. I see it. I see it. It'll be there. It comes through feeding the hungry. That's the entrance only. That's the door. But revival is going to hit these nations. <laughs> and you'll preach and see God use you as revival sweeps through these nations. 
<laughs> healing miracles will manifest and people will hear about it and come from all over the place and say, show us about this Jesus. 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 And the mighty power of God will flow through your ministry and through your wife and through you. And you'll see the goodness of God made manifest. And before the Jesus comes in these last moments of time, many will come to Christ. Many will come to Christ. Oh, for a new fire comes upon you tonight like you've never known. Get ready to laugh. The best days are ahead. <laughs> best days are ahead. Lift your hands all over this house. The best days are ahead. I said the best days are ahead. I said the best days are ahead. <laughs> Ooh, glory to God. The best days are ahead. The best days are ahead. Best days are ahead. Glory to God. I'm not discouraged. I'm not despondent. I, I don't have an evil report in my mouth. I came to tell you the best days are ahead. Devil can't have America. America shall be saved in Jesus' name. I said America shall be saved in Jesus' name. America shall be saved in Jesus' name. The devil can't have America. The devil can't have Canada. The devil can't have the nations of the earth. America shall be saved in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Pasando rocochete. Woo! Glory to God receive a freshing tonight freshing from heaven refreshing from heaven <laughs> oh, you'll run you'll not grow weary you'll walk you'll not faint you'll run and you shall not grow weary you shall walk and you shall not faint in Jesus name <laughs> in Jesus name lift those hands I'm telling you God's moving God's moving God's moving. <laughs> My sister, I'm telling you, I saw it as I was preaching tonight. The gifts of the Spirit are getting ready to manifest in a stronger dimension than they ever have through your life. You're going to see these things flow. Miracles pop like popcorn. You'll begin to see things in the Spirit you've never seen. For God's opening up your vision, opening up your eyes. You'll see things by the word of knowledge by the word of wisdom, by the discerning of spirits. Those revelation gifts are coming alive. <laughs> In Jesus' name, coming alive by the power of God. And you'll begin to see ahead of time. The Lord is going to show you things ahead of time that will actually stop the attack from happening. He'll warn you ahead of time. And you'll be able to step in by the power of God. And they will not prosper. They will not prosper. They will not prosper. And miracles, signs, and wonders are flowing like they've never flowed in Jesus' name. Brother Eric, I saw when I was preaching, the Lord's getting ready to open up a new, I can't even explain it other than to say, it's like a new platform to you. Uh, and I don't mean a platform of opportunity. I mean like a new platform that you'll be able to make available to the body of Christ. Something people have not seen or heard of before. It's not like TV, it's not like radio, it's not like anything we've seen. But the Lord's going to show you ahead of time. He's going to give you insight and he's going to make it available and you'll be able to bless the body of Christ for there's like a new platform coming. You'll see it, you'll know it when it comes and then you'll be able to make it available and there will be many saved because of it. Many things will come to pass because of it. 
And people say, I can't believe we never saw, saw that before. Figured that out before. But God's giving you the ability to see and know witty inventions, as the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. And you will be blessed abundantly. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. And those that are connected with you will be blessed abundantly. And he reveals it to you. Opens the doors. Watch it. Watch it. It's a new platform. It's a new platform. For the gospel must be preached in all the earth, and then the end will come. And then the end will come. Hallelujah. One more moment. Lift your hands. God's moving tonight. I feel this in my spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Fendishe brada roconde de kistema. Frocosha talazegri adambroco. Frekije bramalo donosta crekejie. I'll do a quick work in the earth, says the Lord. I'll do a quick work in the earth. For time is running out, and my desire is to see souls saved. And so I will actually go around those who are trying to hinder my move and my mighty right hand. Many will be moved out of the way, says the Lord. For I will blow my breath from heaven. I will scatter the wicked with a breath. And the Antichrist system and agenda that was trying to set itself up behind the scenes in this nation and in other nations will be blown out of the way by my breath, says the Lord. For I will do a quick work in America, and you shall see revival sweep through this nation. Prepare yourself, for 2021 is the beginning of a mighty revival in America. 2021 is the beginning of a mighty revival in America. Prepare yourself in prayer. Prepare yourself in fasting. Prepare yourself in study. For I, the Lord your God, am showing my glory one more time to this nation before Jesus comes. And we shall see souls saved and people will be healed. Deliverance will take place. You shall see large numbers of drug addicts delivered by the power of my spirit. Those that could never have been delivered. Clinics could not help them. Doctors could not help them. They looked like all hope was lost. You shall see as a sign, says the Lord, many drug addicts delivered from drug addiction and in one moment turned around and their lives made new and they come into the kingdom and are filled with the Holy Ghost. You shall see it in this nation, says the Lord. God Almighty, and I will blow my breath through America, and in all of the 50 states, you'll see the burning of my fire. As California has burned, as Oregon has burned in the natural realm, I will burn by the Spirit of God through this nation. It shall not be reserved for one state. It shall not be reserved for one region. It will not be reserved for one type of people, but it shall spread through the nation and around the world, and the plans of the devil will be thwarted. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm raising up men and women of God who have not bowed their knee to bail into this antichrist spirit who are not a 
afraid of the culture, who are not afraid of the spirit of this world that will speak the truth in love, that will stand boldly and proclaim my word. I'm raising them up. You'll see names that you've never heard before. You'll see people you've never seen before. I will raise them up from obscurity, says the Lord, because they will do what I've asked them to do. They'll say what I want them to say. They'll go where I want them to go without fear of pressure from those around them. Not interested in popularity. Not interested in fame. Only interested in a move of my spirit. Only interested in the power of my holy glory flooding this earth and I'll raise them up out of obscurity and you'll see them move by the power of my spirit and I will tear down things in this nation that thought people thought were of me and thought my spirit was in but my spirit was never in and they did it by flesh says the Lord they did it by flesh and what people thought I was in I was never in says the Lord and I will tear it down all that was built by flesh some places of worship that have closed they will remain closed says the Lord for eternity because I was never in them in the first place my spirit was not welcome to move in the first place and so they'll remain closed and things will be torn down but I will raise up my faithful people I will raise up the people that their hearts are turned toward me my mighty right hand is stretched out to the remnant and I will lift them head and shoulders above the rest I will bless them above the rest I will cause them to be protected. I will cause them to be protected. I will cause them to be protected. For I am the Lord your God and my power is great and there's no one beside me. If you believe it, somebody give him praise. Give him glory. Before we do anything else, here's what I feel the Lord's telling me to do. For every one of us here, you're believing God for this mighty move of the Spirit. I heard the Lord say, tonight, anoint my people. For as David was anointed in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13, the Bible says, the day that Samuel anointed David, the 13th verse, and from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David. I'll tell you more than ever before, it's time for the Spirit of God to come mightily upon us. We can't have some little touch in these last moments of time. If there's people walking around and say, well, I got a, man, we had a move of God in 1991. I was at a youth camp. God really touched me. If that's the last time you received a touch, it's been too long. And tonight the Lord is saying, I'm pouring out my Spirit fresh and new upon my people. <laughs> and my Spirit's coming mightily upon them and on their children and on their grandchildren and I'm putting a hedge of protection around their house no evil thing will come nigh their dwelling place the Bible says that when the anointing oil came upon the instruments in the temple didn't just cause them to be holy but God said and whatever touches them will become holy I declare that whoever you come in contact with will experience the results of the anointing upon your life. Whoever your children come in contact with, whoever your grandchildren come in contact with, will experience the delivering power of God. And finally, James chapter 5. If there's any sick among you, 
I'm asking the Lord tonight as we anoint you with oil and pray, every sickness has to leave you in Jesus' name. Every disease has to loose its grip. Everything the devil used to come against your body has to run out the back door tonight in Jesus' wonderful name. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. So in a moment, they're going to worship. Here's what I want you to do. Brother Eric will help me. We're going to do it old-fashioned, old-school style. And we're going to form one line. And as you come across the front of God's altar, I'm going to anoint you with oil in the name of Jesus Christ. And ask God, number one, come upon your family in a mighty way. Number two, to consecrate you wholly, afresh and anew. Number three, to touch your body, to touch your family. Sickness has to run far from your midst. You believe that? You believe it? Before we do anything, just lift your hands. Father, we thank you that your anointing's in this house. Tonight, we prepare ourselves for what's to come. We thank you you have something fresh, as you just told us, getting ready to sweep through America. We position ourselves by faith, declaring we'll never be those that their hearts have grown cold. We'll never be those that have fallen away from the faith. We are the faithful ones. We're the remnant of God that will never be cast away. We'll be the ones on fire. We'll not be the foolish virgins that have no oil. We'll be the wise virgins that when you come, you'll find us waiting for you. Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. 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 If you'd like to be prayed for and receive this anointing tonight, come right this way and come around and start right here. Brother Eric will help you. Thank you very much. Let's worship the Lord with something as people are coming. Go ahead. joining us on Facebook Live. We're going to release this anointing to you as well. You say, man, I wish I could have been in that service. I wish hands could have been laid on me. We're going to send you a word right now by the power of God. And this same anointing that's here is going to touch you. I'm going to pray the same prayer over your family, your children, your body, your family. So in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you, Lord, for those faithful that are watching, that have a desire to be anointed with a fresh oil from heaven. Let tonight be the night that the power of your spirit comes mightily upon them in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Anybody that comes in contact with their family will be completely changed by the anointing that's upon them. And I pray in Jesus' name. Now, wherever you're watching, unless you're driving a car, lift your hands to heaven. I declare it now. Every sickness, every disease 
that's trying to come upon God's people. I take authority over it tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. I loose divine healing upon every sick body. I curse sickness and I command it to go. Curse disease, command it to go. Go by the power of God. Command you be made whole. Receive your healing tonight in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. amen. Every person you received your miracle, I want you to send us a message. Let us know what God did. Bible says there's power in your testimony. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Are you ready tonight? I said, are you ready tonight? Lift those hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open this prayer line tonight, touch every family, touch every body, touch every mind. From this night forward, we're going higher in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We give you glory and praise. If you believe it, somebody shout aloud, amen.
fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire of God. Uh, <laughs> woo! Glory to God. Fire of the Holy Ghost. feel to do this by the Spirit of God. Brother Roger, Miss Susan, would you come? I'm going to pray a blessing over Feed the Hungry. And we're going to, I'm going to send this as a prayer cloth to Brother Stephan. Amen. Um, the Lord said, give him a word. And of course, we love him and pray for him and all of those that feed the hungry. But we're going to pray over this cloth. This will be the greatest year Feed the Hungry has ever seen, 2021, in Jesus' name. Doors will swing wide open that have not been open in the past, in Jesus' name. Somebody stretch your hands this way. Because, see, I'm telling you, the nations are going to be changed by the power of God. And we declare it, every family on staff that's attached to Feed the Hungry shall be abundantly blessed. Sickness will be kept far from their midst, in Jesus' name. The blessing of Lord makes rich, adds no sorrow, will come upon them. We pray for Brother Stephan tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, in this, his 25th year, I pray you give him a new and a fresh strength, a new and a fresh anointing. Protect him where he goes. We thank you, Lord, that there's not one nation that he'll even have one issue with. That wherever he goes, the Spirit of God is going with him. The protection of God is going with him. We thank you, Lord, a new anointing comes upon him in this new year of ministry. We thank you, Lord. He's stepping into a new dimension 
Lord, I pray you'd strengthen his body. I pray you'd renew his youth like the eagles in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that everything they set their hand to do would be blessed. I pray, Lord, send in provision from every direction. I pray you blow your breath, Lord, as you blew quail in for the children of Israel from every direction to feed millions of people. You blew quail to feed people. Now, Lord, blow the provision in to feed people around the world by the power of the Holy Ghost. Let that anointing come upon them. And I pray that 2021 would be the most productive year they've seen in the history of the ministry in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. And if you believe it's done, somebody shout aloud, amen. amen. Take it for Brother Stephen. Love you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. You can be seated. Somebody lift your hands in the presence of the Lord. Sing that chorus one more time. Come on, come on. Things are coming alive right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Open. <laughs> Open the grave. I'm coming out. Open the grave. I feel that. Say it again. Open the grave. I'm coming out. Say it again. Open the grave. I'm coming out. One more time. Come on. Open the grave. This is the sound. Lift those hands. Something's changing. I said something's changing for the better. Something's changing for the better. Woo! Glory to God. I tell you, get ready for the best days you've ever seen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Be seated quickly. One thing I love about God, I told you the Word of God teaches us He likes to frustrate our enemies, likes to divide our enemies. But then as we saw David write in Psalm 23, you know what else He'll do? He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. <laughs> I said He'll prepare a table before you. You know what's interesting about the table He prepares for you in, in the presence of your enemies? Is that if you're looking at the table... It has maybe eight chairs, but only one place setting. Because you're the only one eating. The rest of your enemies just have to sit down at the table and watch you eat. <laughs> only reason they're there is to pass the butter, sucker. He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And your cup will run over. How many are ready for a year of a cup that runs over? Somebody shout, run over. That's how you know. Let me just give you a word real quickly. God never just wants to meet your needs. Ever. Ever. 
He wants to take you into the overflow every time. I'll show you this principle from Scripture quickly. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. A boy comes up and says, Lord, I'd rather you have my lunch than me have my lunch. Jesus takes it, breaks the bread, blesses it, distributes it. And then the fish distributes it. Now, there were 5,000 men plus women and children that weren't numbered. And the Bible says something interesting here. Now, if all Jesus was interested in doing was meeting their needs, then he would have multiplied until they all had enough to survive. That's what a need is. Survival's the need. He didn't. If you read John 6, you know what it says? And when they had all eaten and were full and wanted no more. I like that the Bible says that because, you know, what does being full have to do with eating? If it's good cooking, you just keep on eating. Amen. Thanksgiving's coming. How many know what I'm talking about? He said, when they were all full and had eaten and wanted no more, then they stopped multiplying. But now, to show you the principle, he said to his disciples, now, grab some baskets and go do what? Gather up the left. Now, hold on. Isn't God the one who did the multiplication? How many believe God can't count? Got you, a few of you on that one. How many believe God can't count up in heaven? He's just not able to count. So either God missed the count in the multiplication, or he multiplied until there was an overflow to prove a point. Because here's the thing. Why in his divine knowledge and wisdom did he not stop the multiplication when everybody had eaten and were full. Why did he keep on going? Because he's a God of the overflow. Here's the other thing you need to understand. Maybe you've never seen this before, but there was a boy there who sowed a seed, who had a harvest coming back to him. My opinion, 12 disciples followed him home to put it in Tupperware. You talk about eating leftovers. His mom probably saw him coming up the walk, said, where in the world have you gone? excess I think about feed the hungry if all I sat around believing God for was our needs oh Lord just meet the needs let the bills be paid I don't believe for that I want excess you know we can't even do what the Lord's called us to do I can't pay tithes if I can't pay my bills I can't give offerings if I can't pay my bills I can't bless the poor if I can't pay my bills God doesn't want to meet my needs he wants to give me excess because I'm blessed to be a blessing Glory to God. Somebody shout blessed to be a blessing. He puts you in a position of overflow so that in that overflow, others will experience the goodness of God. <laughs> I mean, that's not the first reason he does it. That's just one of the reasons. The first reason is he loves you. You know, I don't preach that same principle to my, my children. I'm a human father. I don't buy them presents at Christmas time and say, all right, you've opened all your presents. Now get out in the neighborhood and let the kids play with them because, you know, you're blessed to be a blessing. No. I say, sit there and play with your toys. Enjoy it. That's for you. That's for you. We'll do stuff to bless other kids too. This is for you. And Jesus said, if you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, which of you, if your child asked you for a loaf of bread, would you give them a stone? Or if they asked you for a fish, would you give them a serpent? No. And in the same way that you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
does your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to those that ask him? How many are ready for some good gifts? God wants to take you into the overflow. You will be such a blessing. Let me tell you, we were called to be an asset to our generation, not a liability. Huh. My hand's not out like this. My hand's out like this. You see what I'm saying? I'm not looking for a handout. I'm giving a handout. I'm not believing for my kids to eat. I'm believing for hundreds of kids to eat around the world. You see what I mean? I'm not believing for groceries in my fridge. I'm believing for groceries in other people's fridge. I'm not believing for Thanksgiving dinner on my table. I'm believing to put it on a whole bunch of other people's table. Why? He blesses us, puts us in the overflow. Now we're blessing. How do we get to that place? We obediently sow the seed, just like the boy did. You know what I, th- I love about that story? That little boy with five loaves and two fish, he didn't just come back from a prosperity conference. He didn't show up in a Mercedes and say, my God, I feel to sow five loaves and two fish. Is the master in the building? No. He just said this. I love Jesus so much, I'd rather him have my lunch than me have it. You think Jesus was going to let that little boy leave empty? I believe he left him with 12 baskets. Because that increase didn't belong to anybody else but the one who'd sowed the seed. And in the same way, your faithfulness to sow seed means the increase is coming to you. Hallelujah. Somebody say, it's coming to me. And so tonight we're going to give you an opportunity by faith to sow seed into the kingdom of God. I mean, it's not just, not, not only are we partnering with Feed the Hungry, but we're getting ready to go on TV around the world. I was talking to Brother Eric. We have a worldwide discipleship program that we're developing right now to make sure our fruit remains, that we're not just making converts, we're making disciples of Christ, making sure people are blessed by the word of God. We have things that we're getting ready to do. I've never seen anybody do, but God gave us the ability and the ideas, and we're going to make it happen. You play a part in that by how you stand and say, you know what? I may not be able to go, but I can sow. And because of your sowing, you will see that increase. And you'll see people changed and it credited to your account in Jesus' name. And so what it takes is faith. That's the only prerequisite to blessing, faith. Faith and obedience are mixed together. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. The only thing you have to check off the list when you sow is, does this take faith to do? That's it. If it takes faith, God's pleased. Amen? That's why we pray for an instruction. Because when he instructs us, it takes faith to obey. So bow your head and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd speak to every man and every woman tonight. Give them that divine instruction from heaven. That when we hear it, we will obey. And by faith, we'll see our increase come. But even greater than that, Lord, we will be a part of what your kingdom is doing all over the earth. From this night forward, we declare increase is our story. We will never, I ask you this, Lord, cancel debts by the power of your spirit. Let this be a year of debt cancellation. Do it for your children. Do it for your children. No stress and pressure sitting on on their shoulders and over their head. I pray student loans be canceled or paid off. Credit card debts canceled or paid off. Mortgages, car payments. In Jesus' name, bless your people. And we will be a blessing for your kingdom. Raise us up. Use us. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, somebody shout aloud, amen. Take an envelope in your hand if you have it.
you're making out a check, please make it payable to the church. You can also give by debit or credit card. There are three ways to give. You can see it on the screen. You can text message your gift. You can go to the website, obmcc.org, and so there, or you can use the envelope that you have with you, and uh, you will be blessed. Let me say this as you're getting ready to sow. Don't forget to grab one of these magazines on the way out. This will bless you. Build your faith. A brand new one's getting ready to ship next week for the fall. I want you to get it because it's got the biggest testimony we've ever given in the history of our ministry in the next edition. It's free to get. You can sign up on your phone at MiracleWord.com and we'll send it to you free of charge. won't cost you a dime and it will build your faith. This is the latest book I just released, Further Faster, How to Accelerate Your Purpose Through the Force of Impartation. We have all kinds of books out there. My wife's brand new 40-day devotional. Uh, lines, how the power of your confession and declaration creates boundary lines that the enemy cannot cross. Hallelujah. How many believe in the power of your words? There's all kinds of things to bless you out there. Grab one. Uh, Miss Susan, do you have this one yet from my wife? I'm going to give that to you as a gift. Brother Roger, you have this one yet that I put out? It's yours tonight in Jesus' name. Stop and get something. It's a seed for you, for your family, for your friends. The Word of God is a seed. Can you say amen? Amen. 